0: Hello, friend. Thanks so much for downloading this podcast. And with all my heart, I hope you hear something that edifies, encourages, equip, enlightens, and then engages you in the marketplace of ideas. But before you go and before you listen, I want to take a quick moment and explain to you this month's truth tool. The book is called I Believe, A Concise Guide to the Essentials of the Christian Faith. You know, it's paramount as followers of Christ that we not only know what we believe, but why we believe it. So questions like heaven and hell, angels, the Trinity, all of these are foundational issues for believing Christians, but sometimes we don't fully understand what it is we believe about Christianity. So the book, I believe a concise guide to the essentials of the Christian faith is just that it's concise and it's a wonderful guide to explain to you the cornerstones of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. It's yours for a gift of any amount, because In the Market with Janet Parshall is a listener-supported broadcast. We stay on the air because you pray and give. So if you'd like this month's truth rule, just call 877-Janet-58. Ask for a copy of I Believe. That's 877-Janet-58, or you can go online to In org. Scroll to the bottom of the page, there's the cover of the book. If a gift of any amount, we'll send it to you as our way of saying thank you. While you're on that website, you might want to take a moment, scroll down just a little bit farther, and there's a description of what it means to be a partial partner. These are people who give at a level of their own choosing, and they give every month. They get the truth tool if they ask for it every single month. And they'll also get a newsletter. Only people that do that includes an audio portion that only goes to my partial partners. So if you want to be a partial partner or you're just interested in giving one time to get a copy of, I believe eight seven seven Janet 58 is the route to go eight seven seven Janet 58 or online at in the market with Janet I I believe a great book for you to put in your backpack as you continue your Pilgrim's progress. Now, Please enjoy the podcast. Here are some of the news headlines we're watching. When
1: the conference was over, the president won to pledge Americans
0: worshiping government over God, extremely rare safety move by a nation. 17 years the Palestinians and Israelis negotiate. Hi, friends. Welcome to In the Market with Janet Parshall. We're going to talk about a huge problem in this country. And quite honestly, it's been a big problem for a long period of time. And unless we step up and step out and step into the role that God has designed for men when he calls them to be fathers... I don't think the future looks particularly bright. There is a real issue of fatherlessness in this country. And our guest really says, the time now is for men to learn how to forgive and heal the wounds of fatherhood abandonment. John Smithmaker is is with us. He is an author, speaker, and founder of Fathers in the Field. His passion and focus are to help men recapture their divinely assigned roles of pastor, provider, and protector in their home. As well as in the church, he's an experienced businessman, a ministry leader, gifted communicator. And John combines his personal experience and straightforward style to connect and speak with men held back from becoming the man God designed them to be. And that's why he's written the book, Man Enough to Forgive, Healing the Wounds of Fatherhood Abandonment. John, I am very thankful that you're here This is a hugely important topic, and so I want to start first by having our friends understand the ministry of fathers in the field. Explain why you came up with that title and what the ministry does.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, Janet. It's an honor. Well, the ministry of fathers in the field is really dealing with the number one societal issue, and that is fatherlessness. And Satan knows what he's doing. He's going at the next generation of pastor providers and protectors, and sadly, we live in a fatherless nation where over 50% of children do not have their father in their home mm. so uh, as believers uh, god gave us the family the small church but he also gave us the larger seed church and uh, the larger seed churches in in the area of every fatherless child in our nation and if if we can awaken god's church god's bride his family that uh, we can really reach out and help the next generation. Because uh, it is my belief that uh, the greatest underutilized assets sitting in churches are godly men wondering how they serve the kingdom.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, again, my belief that the church has become overfeminized uh, and uh, men are feeling they don't belong. And, uh, they're tired of just maybe doing the parking lot ministry or the chair stacking ministry, <laughs> and they want to do something of great value. And there's nothing better than to be in the center of God's will by doing the great commission and, uh, discipling the next generation, uh, and right in their communities, followers, boys would love to have them, uh, be paired up with a godly man.
0: Wow. Can I just tell you as a wife and a mother, You make my heart stir when I hear you talk like that, because Mm -hmm. I just believe it's so in alignment with God's Word. It's the clarion call to the men of God to be the man that God has called them to be. So I want to talk a little bit from the 35,000-foot level for a little bit. Is there a linkage? You gave this stunning figure about 50 percent of children growing up in fatherless homes. Um, What sort of societal ramifications do we see? If dad's not in the home, We pay a price collectively as a community, as a nation. What are some of those identified problems?
1: Yeah, You you really have to be, um, lack of a better word, you know, blind Mm -hmm. to not see the ramifications of the fatherless all around our nation. And, uh, you know, even our government, (laughs) and they're 20 years old, but, you know, you have uh, 72% of adolescent murders are by fatherless children, 60% of rapists. You know, eighty-five percent in in prison, and thirty percent more likely to use alcohol, drop out of school, eleven times to exhibit violent behavior, dramatically more commit suicide. You know, uh, extrapolating the numbers, about seven thousand fatherless children uh, attempt suicide daily. I mean, that's a staggering number. Yes. And then, obviously, they uh, commit and engage in early sexual activity and. And and out of wedlock uh, sex and creates more fatherlessness. Sadly, fatherlessness fatherlessness begets more fatherlessness. And mm-hmm. uh, we're now in our second generation. The tsunami's on its way. Um, if you if you can picture the inner city where the fatherless rate is seventy five percent or greater. And again, we're not talking about bad dads. We're talking about fatherlessness, and uh, yeah. we see what the destruction that's caused in that community. And and suburbia now is over forty percent combined. We're over fifty percent. So the delta is is around twenty twenty points. If we want to know what our nation will look like, if this trend is not uh, dramatically addressed, and I believe Christ has the answer. Yes. The local church and men. And if you look back, this is not a a new issue to to uh, God's. Creation, Um, the angriest that the Lord has been at His people is is over this issue. When uh, everybody was giving lip service uh, during uh, the biblical times to the followers and widows, and uh, they were using them, they are walking by them, and and that's kind of what the American church is. We're, We're 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 coming to grips that we are the mission field now. And we can't just put checks in the mail and walk over all the carnage on the way to the post office to help all those distant lands when we're the mission field. Not that we should not help them, but right. we have to realize and wake up that we are the mission field now. And uh, pastor, Greg Laurie says it best. He says, uh, the, the family can survive without the nation, but the nation cannot survive without the
0: family. So well said and so very true. Well, I asked you first about the cultural ramifications Because I want to underscore that so often when we abandon God's principles, how interesting it is that it has a cultural impact. So when dads don't step up, it isn't just an abandonment of God's directive to the men of God, but there are also these huge societal impacts as well. And so that's why I'm so very grateful that you are calling men to forgiveness, to be able to get healing from their abandonment issues. And we're going to get into that in a bit. And to be the man, the father that God has called them to be. We've got so much to talk about. John, I want to thank you as we start for giving me the gift of one hour of your time and this really passionate approach to that you have in really calling fathers out. I love what you said about it's great to put that check in the mail and support a ministry overseas, and there's a place for that, absolutely. But I think the way it works is first in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the outermost parts of the world. So right now your mission field, Dad, might be right around your kitchen table. Back after this. God is always at work in your life, but most of the time you can't see it or understand it. That's why I've chosen Connecting the Dots as this month's truth tool. Discover how to know what God is doing when life doesn't make sense. Ask for your copy of Connecting the Dots when you get a gift of any amount to In the Market. Call 877 Janet 58, that's 877 Janet 58, or go to In the Market with Janet Partial.org. We are spending the hour with John Smith Baker, who's an author, speaker, and founder of Fathers in the Field. He really and truly is offering a clarion call for men to be the fathers that God has called them to be. He's written a powerful book, an impactful book called Men, Man Enough to Forgive. And the subtitle is Healing the Wounds of Fatherhood Abandonment. We're going to dig into that subtitle in just a little bit. But we were talking about the societal impacts of fatherlessness in this country, and as you said, John, if we don't turn this around, we've got we're going to have more problems, not less. It's just that simple. And you just gave just a few statistics, and there's a boatload more for where those came from. Mm-hmm. So this does raise the why quest- question. So uh, if you become a dad, one would think that there would be just that hardwiring. There is for moms. I'm assuming it's there for dad. I've been married to my husband for decades, and I saw this in his life when our four babies came along that without even being told to be a dad, he just stepped into it because God hardwires that desire to be protective. So something so bad, something so traumatic must happen that breaks what is already that God-given hardwiring and short-circuiting that's inside a man. So why do dads walk away from your observation?
1: Yeah, it's it's obviously a, a complex Question, but fundamentally, we have to just step back and say the family is God's ordained uh, unit structure where we raise healthy children, and it takes the combination of nurturing from the mother and masculinity from the father to raise a healthy, well adjusted child. So, when that's broken, there's always consequences. So, why? why do men leave I, th- I think there's two big issues one is they're fighting the curse that God put on us for to not accept responsibility and that's what men fight is part of the fallen world and the curse mm-hmm. and then part of part of that issue obviously is the curse on women where they want to try and undermine and take and usurp mm-hmm. the men's responsibility and that's mm-hmm. just the curse we fight with our flesh um, and then also, I, I think we're accelerating in this fathers issue because men have been told that they're not needed, that they're not necessary, um, that they can perform fatherhood roles outside the home on weekends with shared custody. And, and that's just not true. That's not biblically true. And this is a hard statement that, that the church has to start coming to grips with, that men, fathers cannot perform the biblical roles of fatherhood, which are pastor, provider, and protector, unless they're living in the home. And, and the pushback comes because they, say, they always say, well, what do you mean? Are you saying I don't love my children? And, and this has nothing to do with love. This has fulfilling the God-ordained roles of fathers, and you have to be in the home. If not, these children know they're wounded, know they're hurting, know they're lacking. And then so the cycle just just continues. And what happens is these children then suppress the deepest of pain. It's a soul wound when the marriage cup is broken. It's a soul wound. There are a lot of practical breakage issues as well. But the most important one that we're dealing with is the soul wound. Because the father-son relationship is the foundation of the world. And when that's broken, there's severe consequences. So mm-hmm. it's a deep spiritual and practical side. But I tell men all the time, don't leave the home. You know, th- somehow the society says, you know, when, when, when the marriage is going to break up and divorce, whatever, the, men, the man should leave. He should just leave. And, and I say, well, men, don't leave your children fight for your children. Don't leave. I mean, if it's that bad to leave your home, you better be taking your children with you. So stay. And if, if, if the marriage has to break up, then let the mom leave. I mean, I know it sounds brutal, but you know, I'm, I'm advocating for the fatherhood roles and I don't think the mom should leave either, but, but there's no reason for a man to leave. And then, you know, obviously there, there are, you know, if, if there is a bad man or a bad woman in there, then those children need to be protected. But that's not what we're talking about.
0: Exactly. Exactly. You know, you touched on something. I want to go back and underscore it because we hear all the time toxic masculinity. I would imagine mm-hmm. for fathers today, they're confused. I mean, dad is Homer mm-hmm. Simpson. Right. Dad is a fool. Right. Dad is a buffoon. Dad is not exalted. Um men don't even know how to engage with women anymore. I mean, I've had so many stories of men who have said they go to open a door for a lady, which to this day I still consider an honor, and women will snap back. So that leaves men frozen. They don't even know how to interact culturally with women. And then they're denigrated as being buffoons. Um, Can we turn that around? Because the, the siren's cry of the culture obviously is loud enough to make some men think, eh, I'm disposable. I am going to exactly to your point about divorce. I can do my job when I see him on the weekends. That way I can still be the pastor provider and protector. I'll just do it on the weekends because after all, isn't it quality time, not quantity time?
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, I tell men all the time, men are the problem and men are the solution because mm-hmm. that's the way God set it up. God gave men specific roles and he gave women specific roles and women can't perform the men's role. The men cannot perform the women's role. It takes both and God is perfect. He knows what we need. And so I tell men all the time, listen, masculinity is a gift to the world. It is a gift to women. It is a gift to children It is a gift to your community and it's a gift to this nation. And that is the truth there's no such thing as toxic max masculinity there's only masculinity if it's if it's anything that's broken is bad i mean you know i mean but there's no such thing as ta- toxic masculinity there's sin there's <laughs> sin <laughs> but but you know god god didn't make a mistake when he made uh, you know masculine men he, he he his design was perfect sin has corrupted it and that's what we fight but uh first of all p- part of this is you know, we're getting to the point where we have to start separating, you know, believers from unbelievers, right? Mm-hmm. Because eventually, you know, believers, believers are the answer in this corrupt world, as, as I know you understand. Mm-hmm. So we have to get to the point of understanding that men were made for a glorious purpose. So men, this is a clarion call to step into your roles of pastor, provider, and protector.
0: And it's exactly why John chose us the title of his book, Man Enough." to Forgive, subtitled Healing the Wounds of Father Abandonment. And that's the part I want to dig into when we return. John Smith Baker is with us. By the way, I have a link on my info page to Fathers in the Field. That's the organization that John founded, really and truly teaching fathers to remember who they are by remembering whose they are. Back after this. enough to forgive. That's the title of the book that John Smith Baker has authored, the subtitle Healing the Wounds of Fatherhood Abandonment. John is not only our guest and the author of Man Enough to Forgive, but he's also the founder of Fathers in the Field. So one of the primary themes that you weave throughout your book is this idea of learning to forgive. Obviously, that's hugely important. So we talked about dads walking out the door and not being there. But what about the child that is left, the boy child that is left, that someday may grow up to be a father? And now you've seen and we learn by uh, by copying. Uh, Someone said once, and I've never forgotten this, that values are more caught than they are taught. So dad walks out the door and there's your role modeling for what it's like to be a father in your own family. But not only that, you are dealing with the issues of abandonment. So where does someone start with that? And I think. Maybe we break down this idea of forgiveness. We talk, John, a lot about this in the church, but how do we do that? Because forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting, and it's more about me than it is about the person who caused the offense. But walk me through how this applies to someone who's been wounded.
1: Yes. Well, this is where we have to, you know, really clarify believers from unbelievers. So we're talking to believers now, but first of all, we have to understand that forgiveness is a command by God Almighty. This is not something you do because you feel like it or you want to do it, but you do it out of obedience. So first of all, you have to understand God's truth. Forgiveness is a biblical command. In fact, he gives great warnings when believers don't forgive because unforgiveness is a sin. And so when you have, when believers are in sin, then, then there's a problem. So we have to understand, I'm not saying it's easy, but we have to start with the truth and it's a command. And the, and the second point that I always have to make is that um, forgiveness is different than reconciliation. Mm. We are not talking about reconciliation. We are talking about forgiveness, and forgiveness is what's necessary to heal that spiritual deep soul wound deep down inside your soul and reconciliation, we require a whole other book. Um, but sometimes I think the church doesn't clarify that enough for their congregants. So when they, when they hear forgive, they're saying, what are you saying? I have to have a relationship with my abusive parent or father or mother or whatever. Um, and no, we're not saying that we're saying forgiveness is a biblical command and that is what your heavenly father requires you to do. And we're supposed to have a greatest example we can in Jesus on the cross when he forget when he forgave his tormentors. Mm.
0: So, I, so let me go back. Oh, please, go ahead.
1: No, so I would say that's just a starting point. We have to understand mm-hmm. that's just the starting point. And we have to understand that fatherlessness creates a soul wound. So you have a biblical command by God Almighty, and then you have a soul wound because of that, breaking of the commitment. It's a covenant that's broken. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's a soul wound. Because again, parents are supposed to be there for their children. And uh, so those two things are the fundamental premises that we build upon understanding truth and understanding it's a soul wound. And just like I had to deal with growing up fatherless, if that soul wound is not addressed, it festers your entire life. And everything from your behavior, your actions, your inactions, it's all because of that wound, because it controls your life. And if it's not dealt with, it, it, you, basically for believers, you're on the sidelines. So what, the other reason it gets compacted so deep down in one's soul is because at the same time, this father's child knows that they're hurting, the society tells them, even well-meaning adults, even well-meaning family members, even well-meaning mothers, tell this boy that you don't need a dad, big boys don't cry, and you'll get over it. And all three of those are a lie from the pit of hell. They, 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 they may think that's helping, but it's not because they say, I know I'm hurting. I know I'm broken. I know I'm behind the curve. I have zero one to t- shepherd me into manhood. And they suppress the deepest of hurts. And that is the deepest of sin in their mm-hmm. life. And then all the other sin comes out from alcoholism, workaholicism, pornography, uh, mental illness, depression, overaggression. All those things is to mask the hurt that your fatherlessness has created. So it's a vicious cycle. And, and so that is the important thing. And here's the deal. Christ makes it clear, though God's Word makes it clear that we all will suffer scars in this broken land that's not our home. Mm. But what we have to understand in order to serve Christ in order to be the man or the woman God intended you to be, is to heal those festering wounds. And the only way you can heal this festering wound is a forgiveness. and forgiveness heals. Doesn't mean you don't have a scar? doesn't mean you'll bump into it now and then and shed a tear, but it no longer controls your behavior, your actions, and your emotions. Wow.
0: Oh. Oh. So the person who just heard you say that says, yeah, but John, you don't understand. My dad was an abusive mm-hmm. alcoholic. I know you've heard this a thousand times. Oh, so yes. If you want to forgive, by the way, not the same as reconciliation. I wrote that down. I think that's important yes. for people to understand. Yes, Um, Let me, the the music's going to play in a second and I don't want to interrupt you. So let me just put the question out there. We'll come back on the other side and give me an answer if you would. But let me, this is the practicum to everything that you just said, which is right and good and true. So now the person listening somewhere in the country to our conversation says, yeah, but, and then they tell you the story of the dad who was horrifically abusive or the dad who was there physically, but he was not there emotionally. So he was cold. He was distant. Or what about the dad that just walked out the door because he didn't find the experience of being dad exciting enough and decided to pursue his midlife crisis? I mean, every person listening goes, yeah, but yeah, but and they're now dropping in their own personal experience. So when we come back, help us to identify the wounds and then where this road to healing comes from and how it Starts and what it looks like. The book is called Man Enough to Forgive Healing the Wounds of Fatherhood Abandonment. It is written by our guest, John Smith Baker, who's the founder of Fathers in the Field. Back after this. we can all safely say that society seems to be decaying before our eyes. On In the Market, we're tackling the issues head-on from a biblical perspective so you'll know how to influence and occupy, as scripture says. Become a partial partner today and support In the Market. As a benefit, you'll receive exclusive resources every week prepared just for you. Call 877-Janet-58 or go online to inthemarketwithjanetpartial.org. John Smith Baker is with us, author, speaker, and founder of Fathers in the Field. His passion, and if you've been with us from the beginning, that comes through loud and clear. His passion and focus are to help men recapture their divinely assigned roles of pastor, provider, and protector in both the home and the church. He joins us today as the author of Man Enough to Forgive, Healing the Wounds of Fatherhood Abandonment. So I want to pick it up exactly where we were just before the break. You gave this wonderful, wonderful word about forgiveness and what the scriptures call us to and how healing forgiveness is. And I know that there were people listening with the yeah, but stories. Yeah, but my dad was the alcoholic. He was emotionally detached. He walked out of the house, et cetera. And they understand maybe cognitively that forgiveness is a requirement. By the way, it's not an option in scripture. It is a directive to do this. All of us are called to forgive because we ourselves have been forgiven, as the scripture makes so clear. But for the brokenhearted man who has fatherhood abandonment in a myriad of ways, and I just gave three quick examples, where does that path begin? How do you start that? It's not reconciliation. It is forgiveness, but it's left an indelible mark on a man who wants to be the father God has called him to be, but simply can't find the wherewithal to do it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 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 response of you don't understand, uh you know, I used to get a little defensive at that, but because but, uh, I heard it so much, but really mm-hmm. I, I finally just started just saying, you're right. I don't understand. And I can't understand everybody's situation, but I know who does. Christ. Mm. Christ knows it all. He knows your pain. He knows what you went through. He experienced all the torments of this broken world on that cross, and he still chose to forgive. And that is our example. And what we have to understand is there is no unforgivable sin other than unbelief. And so we have to realize that forgiveness is a command and that Christ gave those commands knowing what you went through. And so that is not a valid excuse. In fact, it's just a defense mechanism. We have to understand that. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision based in obedience to Christ's command on our lives as believers. Mm. That's that's a really important distinction, especially in today's feeling culture. Yes, (laughs) yes. we, we, (laughs) we, We have to understand, we are called to obedience. We are called to faithfully follow our commands of our Heavenly Father, and so if you profess Christ, you call yourself a believer, but you refuse to forgive, that should bring you great concern to where you stand. Mm. Oh. And that's a hard truth to digest, but it's important to realize it doesn't excuse the behavior, doesn't excuse the trauma, the hurt, the disappointment, you name it. It doesn't mm. excuse any of that.
0: Right. Right but it is a command. It is. And to that point, I can just hear the wisdom of my mama who would say, honey, you're responsible for your action, not somebody else's reaction. And if I can contextualize that into what you said, even though the person who did the wounding was wrong, and there will be an accounting for that as well, I'm responsible to forgive. That's what my responsibility is. That's what I've been called to do. Um, it, yes. so where the, where the hurt, please go ahead. You want to say something.
1: Well, I was going to say, we, you know, in the man and I forgive book, we outline mm-hmm. what the, the lies of fatherlessness, you know, everything from it's my fault that my dad left to, um, I just need to suck it up and get over it. I don't need a father. I'm better off without him. You know, the, the, the delusion the dad's ab- that dad's absence did negatively affect my life. You know, I'm not responsible for my actions. They're all my dad's faults. You know, now it's impossible to trust other people. So men are being isolated, not getting married. Or they believe that, you know, they're the perpetual victim, that they will always be broken and, and nothing can heal them. And then the last one, which is the one, the lie I bought into it, that I could be perfect and that I could earn my father's affection in return. And I made that little decision as a boy. Um, About 15% of the father's boys think that they can fight for their father's return and affection and fill that hole that is missing because they believe their dad, you know, if they were just better or good looking or got better grades, it just breaks your heart or better athlete or just better looking or better, you know, didn't misbehave all those lies because every father's child believes it's their fault. The other 85% rebel and they end up in prison and get adjudicated and cause all the visual destruction that we see guys like myself. I got saved at 40 on a road to masses experience. Wow. Looking back, I was, I was on the road that led to divorce because before I was saved, I put myself first, my career, my money, my ambition, my hobbies, all before my wife and and my little children. So praise God. He saved me when he did, but this is, this is, this is what we have to come to grips with that men, you were born for a glorious reason. You were given a mission-oriented purpose. You were given roles as the pastor and provider and protector of gifts that God give you in form of children. And when that's broken, there's always consequences. And But God has paved a path for reconciliation to him, not to your abuser, but to him, and for healing. So you can actually be the man God intended you to be. Part of the book is highlighting all, like even King David, mm-hmm. how how many horrible sins he did. He was a horrible father example, but he chose to forgive his mother and father for abandoning him. That's why God was able to use him for so much good, mm. even though he, he created so much havoc.
0: Wow. So John, Um, And I thank you for telling me how you coped. I wondered, so you fell into that camp of perfectionism. If I just do it better, I'll win him back. I'm concerned Mm -hmm. about, and it isn't just men, women can do this too in their relationship with their dads, that we tend to superimpose on God the attributes or the negatives of our experiences with our earthly father. When there's wounding there, and you talked about not coming to faith in Christ until you were 40 what do you do to make sure that men don't misinterpret the characteristics of our heavenly father based on the performance of our earthly father?
1: Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, if you think about it from a marketing term, right, God being called a heavenly father to the us is, is a huge hurdle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. <laughs> it's, a hu- it's a huge hurdle. Um, but what we have to realize is we have to show the, the characteristics of God, you know, again, if we go on our feelings, our feelings are fleshly. And, and Satan controls most of our feelings mm-hmm. because we struggle with it. As believers, our spirit and our soul's been healed. And so spiritually we're reconciled, but we fight the flesh daily. So where we get truth is not our feelings. We have to get truth from God's word. And we have to believe what it says. We have to transform our mind to believe what God's word says, not what we feel. And if you read God's word, We belong to a heavenly father that he tells us he will never leave or forsake us. He tells us we were born for a glorious purpose. He tells us how much he loves. In fact, he demonstrated how much he loved us by sending his own son to die on that cross. His demonstration of his love, his declaration of his love, his pronouncement of his love is all in the Bible. We just need to read his word so we understand the characteristics of our heavenly father.
0: Mm. Wow. John, when you came to faith at 40, did it change your perspective on your earthly father?
1: Oh, immediately. You know, I had a road to masses experience and I know everybody's faith journey is different, but when when I was going to meet my uncle to go fishing. The one man who did stand up in my life, you know, after work scrambling and driving to go fishing on the green river in Wyoming. Mm. And, and it was late, late at night, dark. I was all alone on this dark road highway thing. and, And I just felt this overwhelming sensation to pull my truck over. And I did, and I got on my knees and I begged for forgiveness. I saw all my fleshly sins flash before me and I was so ready to, and I repented of all those sins. But then I was convicted by the holy presence, in my opinion, there that night that I had to now forgive my earthly father for abandoning me and my family. Mm. And God knew, obviously, that was the deepest of sin that I did not want to repent of because unforgiveness is a sin. Mm. And when I did, that is when I felt the rush come over me. That is when I knew I was born again. That, that's when I knew I was a new creation and I was healed healed because I repented and forgave my father. For some 40 years, I told myself I would never would. And I went home, wrote a letter immediately to my dad, told him what he did was terribly wrong, mattered greatly in my life. But through the power of Christ, I have forgiven him. And I like to share the gospel with you since we've had no time on earth, maybe we could have forever in heaven. Mm. And that's what I did and and uh sadly he he sent me a letter back and blamed my mom and, and you know the blame game and said he didn't believe in that stuff and and shortly thereafter he died and and uh, of cancer and, and that was it hmm. but i was healed i didn't even cry at my dad because i i knew i was healed all my tears have been cried for 40 years i had i had nothing because there's no relationship established
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad I asked you that question because what you did was exemplify perfectly what forgiveness does, what it looks like. Again, there was no fairy tale ending where the dad comes back, cap in hand, and apologizes for what he did, and in fact, outright rejects it. And you know he steps into eternity. Who knows? Only the Lord knows whether or not he made some conversion decision before his death. But if not, what you know is you did exactly what your heavenly father told you to do regarding your earthly father. Was it easy? No. Was it the right thing to do? Absolutely. And you, John, as you just said, were healed. That's what this is all about. Mad enough to forgive back after this. man enough to forgive that's the new book by john smith baker who's an author a speaker and founder of fathers in the field he is really issuing a call to the church the local church and the church capital c universal for the men of god to be the fathers that god has called them to be john i'm going to go back to something that you did you talked about writing a letter to your dad and in the book you talk about writing a letter of forgiveness as well so a couple of questions before you get into this if if this is about forgiveness which is very much a part of the theme of fathers in the field you talk about faith fatherhood forgiveness as the three components in what mm-hmm. you call the great american rescue mission so if your dad is already deceased do you still write the letter do you write the letter if your dad is living and deliver it to your dad or is it just the exercise of forgiveness and what should you say and not say in this kind of a letter
1: yeah great questions yes to all your questions um what, what we do in the ministry to the follow those boys that get paired, we don't make them write a forgiveness, but we say you will write a forgiveness letter when you'll truly forgive your dad. You'll want to write a forgiveness letter. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is we go through the components of a forgiveness letter because one of the largest stumbling blocks of follow those boys when they want to write, they get to the point they want to write the forgiveness letter is they don't even know what to call their dad. They don't know if they don't call him like Dear SOB, Dear Jerk, Dear Abandoner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So w- we just talk about all those components of a forgiveness letter. But fundamentally for, you know, the, the men's curriculum we do through Man Enough Forgive or in Fathers in the Field, writing the letter, I get asked all the time, how, how, how will I know I actually forgiven my dad? Because so many people play mind games like, well, I have. I've moved on, you know, and all those things. Mm-hmm. I say, you'll put it in writing." And you'll share it with that person. So if you can share it with your dad, like I did, you do it. If you, if your father has passed on, you give it to your pastor, your mentor, your mom, your sister, and you let you declare it to them. You're declaring to the world that you have forgiven them because Christ has forgiven you. So you're, you don't hide it. You don't hide it on a bushel. You declare it. You put it in writing. There's something very special about believers putting something in writing. And I think we're following uh, God Almighty's uh, uh, efforts. He, he himself, with his finger, the Bible says, wrote the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. So putting things in writing are, are profound. And secondly, I say, well, when you truly forgive, we're also called to do one of the things. We're supposed to pray for our enemies are you praying for your father's salvation ouch mm-hmm. are you pay- praying for your tormentors salvation ouch those are the two things we know if we forgiven and when we have forgiven somebody that has hurt us so much we are then no longer held captive by the shame the guilt uh taking on the blame the victimizing, we have let it go. And now we can give God the glory that he deserves. And we no longer have to live in shame. The devil no longer has control of us because we have unrepented sin in our life. We are now free. That is the freedom in Christ that is talked about in the Bible.
0: Mm-hmm. What about the man who's listening, John, who says, I, "I, my heart says yes to everything that you're telling me, but I live in the real world where I didn't have a good role model for a dad. Yes, I've got a soul wounding. Yes, I've got abandonment issues. But now I'm called to be a dad and I want to be all the things that God wants me to be. But I don't even know where to begin. And in fact, I'm pretty convinced I'm so broken it can never happen. You must hear this over and over and over again. How do you say to broken men you can?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, you have to... You know, again, separate believers from unbelievers. And here's my own personal opinion. I don't know if this is accurate, honestly, but I believe this deep soul wound can only be healed through the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. It's that deep. It's that deep. And so first of all, if you're struggling with forgiveness and you believe God's word that it is command and you're still struggling, now you know what your daily prayer should include. Holy Spirit, help me forgive my father. He promises when we ask him, he will help us, but we have to ask for that help. So that's a great place to start. First, you believe God's word word is true. Now you start praying for the Holy Spirit to help you forgive. And then on the practical side, you seek out discipleship and fatherhood. We I mean, I did the same thing. I had no idea how to be a good father. I knew how to be a bad one, mm-hmm. but I know did, did it be a good one. I I read, I devoured a book, and the best book I read on it was "Bringing Up Boys" by Doctor James Dobson.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was mm-hmm. awesome. It was awesome, and it helped me so much. And how to how to discipline out of love, not out of anger. You know what boys need. That wrestling with my son and treating my son and you know, like a a boy and not believe what the world says, right. To, to teach them to defend the innocent and stand up for right and wrong. All those things are in the book, you know? So even our public schools are telling boys that we have a zero tolerance, that you don't have the right to defend an innocent at school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. So all those things are all part of godly manhood. So seek out counseling, mentorship from other men that in your church, they'll be happy to do it. You just have to get over your, your, you know, shame or pride or hesitancy and just ask for help. They'll give it to you. That's Mm. what I recommend.
0: Wow. So let's say that someone, and I'm, this is coming to a far too quick end, but I want to ask one more question if I can, John. So a, a father says, yes, I will be the pastor, the provider, the protector. I'm called to be in my home as well as the church, but I am a mere mortal and I will make mistakes. And when you're wounded, particularly, sometimes when you make a mistake, you just say immediately, I'm going to throw in the towel rather than just saying, I see it as one mistake and I'm going to do what I need to do to correct it and move on. What do you say to the father who gets discouraged because of their history of wounding, but is trying to be that pastor, provider and protector?
1: Yeah. Men struggle with pride and wanting to know it all and appear stronger than we are. Listen, men, the best witness you can give to your wife and your family is show them that you are not perfect and that you readily, easily and with your heart, you ask them to forgive you. You model forgiveness for them because you have been forgiven so much. Model forgiveness. It's the best witness we can give our children.
0: I don't know to end this on because forgiveness is such a key theme in your book, Man Enough to Forgive. John, thank you. And my fervent hope and prayer is that the men in our listening audience today heard something that stirred their heart, that reminded them that they're on a great mission. They have a high calling to be that pastor, that provider, that protector in their home as well as in the church. And may your clarion call be heard with receptivity and response that really begins to change the church, the home, and the nation as well. John, thank you for the gift of your time. Thank you for the marvelous work that you're doing through fathers in the field. You've got information available, friends, on all of this on our info page. So check it out at In the Market with Janet Parshall. Thanks so much, John. Thank you, friends. We'll see you next time.